This is MIT Technology Review. It's the closing night of the 2012 Coachella Music Festival, and Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg are joined on stage by a surprise guest, Tupac despite the fact that the hip-hop legend died more than 15 years earlier. A holographic-like image of the late rapper appeared alongside the real-life Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg, bantering with them and addressing the crowd. The illusion took over a year to create and was accomplished by piecing together audio, physical characteristics, and movements from performances recorded before the rapper's death. To festival goers and audiences streaming live, the effect was stunning and a bit unsettling. These days, digital humans are taking on the jobs of entertainers in increasingly nuanced ways. I was programmed to believe that I was a 19-year-old, half Brazilian, half Spanish girl named Michaela. This digital influencer and model is a project that began as a CGI Instagram profile, but has gone on to release music and collaborate with luxury brands, such as Calvin Klein and Prada, amassing millions of followers along the way. Don't worry, y'all. I am a robot, but I'm not here to, like, hack your Venmo or leak your private browser history. For next-gen systems, AI is the core creation tool. With it comes interactive, human-like experiences, as well as some familiar, thorny questions about ownership. I mean, you got all these real people out here that want to get into this industry, but y'all choose to sign a virtual person? If this would have went under the radar, they would have been making hundreds of millions of dollars from this, and nobody would have said nothing. I'm Jennifer Strong. In this episode, we explore the real task of building these not-real digital humans. Let's go. In Machines We Trust. I'm listening. A podcast about the automation of everything. You have reached your destination. You know, the art of creating digital characters and digital personalities, I mean, that's been finely honed in the movie industry. And what makes us fall in love with these avatars and these CGI characters is that they do express emotion in a very human-like way. So, hi, I'm Greg Cross. I'm CEO and co-founder of Soul Machines. Soul Machines is an artificial intelligence company. We make avatars and we bring them to life using a completely new paradigm in the world of animation, something we call autonomous animation. So autonomous animation is what we're doing in this conversation. So my brain is animating me. It brings me to life. It chooses my words the way I express them, and that just happens autonomously. And your brain, at the same time as I'm talking, is animating you. You're hearing my words. You're deciding what to think of them, how to feel about them. And so if we think about high-quality CGI or avatar-type animation, it's all human-acted content. So human actors play the role of the avatars. They get captured by these incredibly specialized cameras. The data gets processed, and then the data is used to bring the avatar to life. 
It's the process used to create Gollum and the Lord of the Rings, and it transformed the entire cast of the 2009 blockbuster, Avatar. But the approach at Soul Machines relies on AI. Artificial intelligence has become a big part of the way in which we think about autonomous animation and the way it enables us to make machines more like us. We can interact with them in a more human-like way. So our digital people, our avatars are being rendered in the cloud and literally they're being broadcast as a video stream from the cloud into the device. So it's just like a Zoom call except you're talking to a digital person rather than a real person. And it's becoming popular within the entertainment industry. Celebrities are looking for new ways to engage with their fans. So social media started this trend where celebrities could create a direct connection with fan bases. This takes it to the next level. And he says celebrities are choosing to have digital twins for a whole range of reasons. We recently started working with Jack Nicholas. You know, Jack's 82 in real life, and for him this is a legacy project. How does he make his legacy relevant to kids taking up golf for the first time today? So we've announced that we're going to be reimagining Marilyn Monroe for the 21st century, working with the folk at Authentic Brands Group who own the digital rights to Marilyn. So, you know, this is a project where, you know, there's a huge amount of interest, I mean, in Marilyn today. So this is another way that we can tell her story. K-pop, uh, Mark Tuan, one of the biggest K-pop stars in the world. Mark is just one of these people who is incredibly time poor. You know, he never has enough time to interact with his fans in the way that he wants to be able to interact with his fans. So this becomes a way in which he can do that without him having to always be there. This might sound familiar to fans of the TV show Black Mirror, where a pop star portrayed by real-life singer Miley Cyrus uses AI to create a digital version of her personality. Now you can be best friends with your favorite pop star. Ashley, wake up. Hey there, I'm Ashley too. An all-new intelligent companion based on Ashley O's actual personality. Soul Machines captures the physical look and expressions of someone they're digitizing. Then the real work begins. In the case of synthetic voices, we work with partners to recreate these voices. And, and these voices can be trained based on existing audio content with uh, Camelo Anthony. Camelo recently released a book. He, he recorded the audio book version of the book, so we use the audio book version to create his synthetic voice. But here's the thing. We just don't create a synthetic voice in English, you know, in his natural voice. We can create a synthetic voice in Japanese, in Mandarin, in Korean. You know, Camelo can now speak any one of 15 languages in his own natural voice. And despite being called a digital twin, which in every other industry means an exact copy of something, these digital celebrities aren't necessarily the same as their human counterparts. For example... Celebrities might choose to create a less anxious or more chatty version of themselves for fans. One of the things that we're exploring, um, particularly with Camelo, is, I mean, Jack wants Digital Jack to be a representation of who he was at that age. Camelo actually wants his digital twin to have a different personality so that they can play off each other and they can interact with each other and have fun with each other. One of the things you don't want to do is you don't want to connect a celebrity to the internet because, you know, you do that and you're going to end up with TikTok videos where the content's not appropriate or not consistent with their brand or their image. So content in a digital realm has to be curated, you know, in the same way that celebrities curate their content in social media, they have to do the same with their digital twins as well.
though some companies do hand that curation off to an algorithm. This is a song composed partly by FN Mecca, an AI created by the company Factory New, which describes itself as a record label specializing in virtual artists. The system analyzes popular songs from specific genres and generates the building blocks of new songs, such as melody and tempo, with vocals performed by a real human. FN Mecca was designed and marketed to represent a kind of digital rapper, his TikTok videos showing him in designer clothes and luxury cars with an edgy haircut and plenty of attitude, they generated more than a billion views on the platform. In August, it was announced that the digital human had been signed to one of the most powerful music labels in the world, Capitol Records, which retains rights to the works of artists like ABBA and Katy Perry. Then this happened. From stepping into the virtual future to back on the proverbial streets, the AI rapper everybody has been talking about has been dropped from his label. In addition to his virtual jewels and custom Tesla Cybertruck, FN Mecca is depicted as a black man, something its human creators are not. The system was soon called into question by the group Industry Blackout, an organization representing black people in the music industry. In a statement on Twitter, the group said the rapper is an offensive caricature and a direct insult to the Black community and our culture. In the hours following the statement, Capitol Records severed ties with the AI and issued an apology to the Black community. FN Mecca's music was quickly removed from streaming services, and as for his viral TikTok content, it's pretty much vanished. And Kyle the Hooligan, the black rapper whose real voice was used for this system, is taking legal action against the company. My lawyer has been reaching out to them and their attorneys, but we haven't heard back as of yet. Well, at the time, like I was young, you know, so I had no representation. So and they didn't really have the money behind it as of yet. So they promised me equity. Basically, it was like a collaboration. So we could do this together and just like build it up instead of like upfront money and stuff like that. But he says that didn't happen. So I want to kind of shed light on that and show that it's not cool just to use the culture and just ghost people and not compensate them. Because I know it's, this industry, is, that happens a lot. So that's basically what I would like to happen, be compensated and shine light on the situation. I think it's a disservice to the culture. Like, it's, it's some of the most disrespectful stuff I've seen in a long time. This is Grammy-nominated rapper and producer Hitmaker in an interview with TMZ and to know that nobody from the culture was involved with the creation of this just shows how much the capitalist mind state and how much like the times are changing like man like this is this is ridiculous for our creators you know how many layers and contracts and things that had to happen to get to this point so the legal department the A&R team the high level execs everybody agreed with this if this would have went under the radar they would have been making hundreds of millions of dollars from this and nobody would have said nothing so it's just ridiculous man for real you can find links to our reporting in the show notes and you can support our journalism by going to techreview.com slash subscribe we'll be back right after this Hi, this is Brian Bryson, Director of Event Content and Experiences here at MIT Technology Review. I'm popping into this podcast to invite you to our upcoming AI conference, MTech Digital. 
MTech Digital is MIT Technology Review's executive briefing on artificial intelligence, its implementation, and impact on business and society. If you're tasked with integrating AI into customer offerings or using AI to streamline operations, this is your once-a-year opportunity to meet and network with the peers and leaders on the cutting edge of AI. Learn more about this exclusive event at mtechdigital.com. It's not just celebrities looking to use digital replicas. This technology is being trialed in everything from customer service to law enforcement. So this project is about a virtual girl that has been used to attract pedophiles online. This is Mao Lin Lau speaking at a conference. He's the CEO of Replica, a designer of digital humans. And this whole story was very uh, important for us because it was helping the world become a, a safer place. The project was codenamed Sweetie. It's a computer model created to look and move like a real girl. Sweetie was deployed across a number of online chat rooms where she appears to be sitting in front of a webcam in the Philippines. In reality, a team of sleuths were operating the system from a warehouse in Amsterdam. My name is Sweetie. I'm 10 years old. I live in the Philippines. Every day, I have to sit in front of the webcam and talk to men, just like tens of thousands of other kids. The men ask me to take off my clothes, but what they don't know, I'm not real. I'm a computer model made piece by piece to track down these men who do this. In just 10 weeks, the team identified a thousand predators from 71 different countries thanks in no small part to the system's ability to replicate the subtle, physical nuances that come with talking to a real person. It's those same nuances, like a shifting gaze or returned smile, that underpins the realism of digital humans created by soul machines. Hi. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Jack. I'm glad to hear it. I'm Jack Nicholas, coming to you circa 1978. I'm here to tell you about my life as a professional golfer. Where should we begin? So I've just muted Jack at this point. So you can see Jack's on the screen. He's looking at me. You know, if you look up close, you can see my hand reflection going across. That's CEO Greg Cross giving a demo of golfer Jack Nicholas's digital twin. The system uses the computer's microphone and webcam to seemingly hear and see the real human on the other end. It has the contextual awareness to know it's supposed to be chatting as if on a video call. When you say his name, he smiles a little bit. Yeah, of course. And, you know, and if I smile at him, he'll smile back. I mean, that's, a natural, that's the natural reaction. So how this works is if I smile at you, your eyes are seeing the smile, then the limbic system in your brain, which is our emotional connection system that secretes dopamine and serotonin, the happy drugs, sends electric signals from your brain to your facial muscles, through your nervous system, and you smile back. And that's the natural human reaction to a smile. And so Jack's digital brain is actually working in exactly the same way. So if you, know, you get concerned or worried, I see. He, he, he will respond by looking a little bit more empathetic. So these are some of the ways in which we are you know, using Jack's digital brain to bring him to life in, in real time. Can you tell us about the 1978 British Open? In 1978, the British Open returned to its most traditional location, 
the old course of St. Andrews. I fell in love with St. Andrews on my first visit in 1964, and from there my attachment only grew. Have you ever been to Scotland? Yes, I have. It's truly something, the birthplace of golf and so much more. Needless to say, playing St. Andrews again in 1978 was a dream, but the months prior to the tournament were anything but ideal. So, yeah. Have you ever tried to deal with a problem only to watch it grow the more you try to fix it? No, I don't have any problems, Jack. <laughs> really? You're pretty darn lucky then. In time, we might end up building a number of different versions of Digital Jack. I mean, Jack selected that age. He wanted to be 38. He considered himself to be playing the finest golf of his career at that age, so that's why he chose it. But we might do, you know, in 1962, I mean, Jack was a, you know, a, a very handsome young golfer with movie star looks, so we might do that version of Jack, or, you know, we might even do a current, you know, I mean, Jack as he was when he was in his 70s as, as well. So these are all different ways in which we can develop the, the concept. And the team has also been exploring how these digital twins can be useful beyond the 2D world of a video conference. I guess the, the big shift that's coming right at the moment is the move from the 2D world of the internet into the 3D world of the metaverse. So, I mean, and, that, and that's something we've always thought about and we've always been preparing for. I mean, Jack exists in full 3D. Jack exists as a full body. So today we're building augmented reality prototypes of Jack walking around on a golf course. And you know, we can go and ask Jack, how, how should we play this hole? Um, so these are some of the things that we're starting to imagine in terms of the way in which digital people, the way in which digital celebrities will interact with us as we move into this 3D world. And he thinks this technology can go a lot further. Healthcare and education are two amazing applications of this type of technology. And it's amazing because we don't have enough real people to deliver healthcare and education in the real world. So, you know, you can imagine how you can use a digital workforce to augment and, and extend the skills and capabilities, not replace, but extend the skills and capabilities of real people. This episode was produced by Anthony Green with help from Emma Silicons. It was edited by me and Matt Honan, mixed by Garrett Lang, with original music from Jacob Gorski. If you have an idea for a story or something you'd like to hear, please drop a note to podcasts at technologyreview.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Jennifer Strong. This is MIT Technology Review.